ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast. Sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. Whether you're chasing bugles over the next ridge, sitting a stand out east, this is about passion, pursuing our dreams of field, our lifestyle, the betterment of self and community, the enlightenment that comes from those moments spent in God's creation. Through these conversations, I hope you find insight, inspiration, education, and motivation to push beyond your limits. All right, so we're hot mic and I'm on with Miss, can I say Miss? Jess Caldwell. Um, hi, thank you for joining me. Hi. I've been following along since I saw you on uh, Soul Seekers now uh, with Johnny and and just kind of watching. And and I've been pretty intrigued um, watching your growth and the Wildkind Academy growth and the things that you've, the positions you've put yourself in to increase your knowledge, but then also, you know, your, your wording rewild. And we were kind of talking about that a little bit. So we're going to get into a bunch. I'm going to try and not be long winded and scatterbrained as much as I can. So I apologize ahead of time, but it's pretty interesting. Um, so give us a little intro and let us know who you are and then we'll go from there. Thank you. Um, I'm sure it's been, if, if you were on board and, uh, at the time when I was on my first podcast, I think Johnny Mack was with Soul Seekers was my first podcast. And I, that was probably about two years ago now. And so much has shifted in the last two years because I have really made it my lifestyle design to do the rewilding trip full time. And, um, it's been a big, you know, I, I could call it a I think in, in modern times, you could call it a sacrifice because I sold a house to do this. I used all of my savings to learn everything I can about um, my engagement with the, with nature and uh, sovereignty, food sovereignty. And it's been one of the most challenging things I've, I've really ever um, done because I've put everything on the line to, to say I'm going to do Wild Kind Academy and I'm going to make uh, my deep dive into this lifestyle what I do. And I'm not, I, I just have been, um, gosh, for two years, traveling, living in the woods, (laughs) learning from anyone I can that I, that I really respect and look up to, uh, as an outdoor leader. And, um, it's just, it's been the coolest thing, you know, it's been the, it's been the coolest experience in the last two years, but it has been 
um, it's shifted my life completely. In fact, I have a hard time relating back to how things used to be for me because I have done some pretty wild um, matrix shifting. Um, I've had some pretty wild matrix shifting experiences and it's hard for me to even That's be a- of... Sorry. Of this time right now. <laughs> That's a complete paradigm shift, right? And then to just yeah. to say that you're looking back, right? You're looking back on you. But then for me with, you know, with hunting and I haven't mm-hmm. taken on the things that you've taken on, um, I have a hard time relating to just the world around me in the present, right? You look around, you go, wow. And, and when you understand the connection that we have, to nature and the connection that most people lack to nature, it makes it mm-hmm. even harder to look around and go, okay, I get it. You like, you just, for me, I look around, and I go, I don't, I don't understand anymore. I don't understand where we're at. And I don't know why we are where we are in some instances, right? I mean, we are so, so disconnected to something that is immensely powerful in Every in every aspect of my being, I mean, just the, the man I am when I'm at home with my wife, with my kids, with my pets, mm-hmm. you know, with people that I meet. Um, and, and sometimes it's a bad thing because I don't feel the connection with people that don't share those those places, I guess, for the lack of a better word, those wild those wild spaces and understand that. Um, but then the. the the respect that I have for all life is far greater than before I started hunting, right? Which was 25, 26 years ago at this point. Um, It's just a a total shift in who I am. And every time Mm -hmm. I go out, I find a little bit more out about myself, right? And then you start seeking, you, you go out for a reason, but then you start seeking more than the reason that you really are out there. Like I have a hard time in elk season. That's one of my main excuses in elk season, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> is that I always have this, this offshoot, offshoot goal, you know, outside a knock, uh, notch in my tag. What, what have you seen? Well, let's start. Let me, let me rewind. Cause I'm scatterbrained when it comes to everything yeah, I want to talk about. I'm sorry. You asked me a question. I went off. on. Went <laughs> no, back. no, that's fine. Um, that's the, I, you know, I will say, so I, I guess uh, two years ago, I was a marketing director for a performing arts center. Uh, and I should actually say, it's more like two and a half years now, but at the time of the pandemic, our theater closed down and I uh, found myself uh, wanting to move through the pandemic and some of the features of the pandemic in a more, um, I guess, um, a, a way that would make me feel more empowered. More confident. And um, yeah, that, that I wasn't some, you know, like victim to the circumstances around me, but, um, take these opportunities and these changes that we're all going through in a, in this life and, and turn it into something I can really dive into and really feel like, Hey, anything could be taken away. But, um, but the skills I have, the confidence I have, the sovereignty I have is something I can put on my back and <laughs> pack around with me at any time. And, um, and in that I started, um, I started wild kind Academy and, um, really it became for me, you know, I'm a single mom and I was at, without a job and I didn't have the resources at the time, uh, to just go out and take every course that I wanted to take and learn from every instructor that I wanted to learn from. So I said, well, I'm going to bring them to me. And so, um, and I, 
I just started bringing in some really wonderful uh, teachers and I was learning from them um, and, and building my skill set. And really this was around things like uh, fishing, foraging. Uh, hunting has truly been one of the most exciting things that I've been able to bring online. Um, and I'm going to be bringing online as a school in, in the spring. Um, but also just uh, nature crafts. And then there's this piece of the uh, mental fortitude and the the training of the mind and the training of the um, of living with more joy and with more liveness than I think many of us are are feeling blocked in because you're not, I mean, we all feel it, I think. I think this is a unique time to be here on earth. I think everybody feels the pressure pot that we're in. I feel everybody feels something um, is dissonant. There's dissonance. There is a sense of um, the, the, the heat's up on that pot. I mean, we're just sitting on a fire mm -hmm. right now. And I think everybody feels that. And really how you then take that pressure and take that heat and turn it into, well, I do believe we're here at this time for a reason. I don't, I'm not one of those people who wished I lived 200 years ago. Um, I'm here right now and I feel a part of the fabric of this time in our lives. And so for me, it's like, take a challenging time. There's our entire history is yeah. filled with challenging times. We, this is everyday just a life. <laughs> time. Um, this it has different uh, struggles than than our ancestors had, but certainly the struggles are there and we are in a, I think uh, it is the time to wake up to the, the bounty of what nature offers to the rhythms and the, the sacredness and even just the sense of peace that we can find there. And that it's not, you know, there's, there's been moments where it's silence in nature. And then there's moments where it's my skills training that it's just, if you're just out with a knife, making, <laughs> sitting around a fire and carving on a stick that does something to your brain. It does something to the frequency that you're feeling when you're looking at a fire, when you're feeling those elements and your senses are just lit up by uh, the wind and the stars and a knife in your hand. And, um, and so those things to me have been what have lit the, this path for me. And, um, it's been a lot. It's been great. Okay. I got it. I got a bunch. <laughs> so as you were, most people freaked out and said, I'm going to get 50 rolls of toilet paper as, as right? the pandemic was going. What? I ran out of toilet paper because <laughs> I refused to do it. And I, <laughs> I had to go to a neighbor and like dial a friend. <laughs> <laughs> were you stealing paper. from outhouses? Um, <laughs> what? You know, what in that time, I mean, why did you turn to nature? What did you see there um, that said, you know what, this is the path I'm going to take to have the confidence, the sovereignty to get through this? Because that's pretty insightful. Most people wouldn't. Most people would go stock up, hope they had enough in their freezer, cross their fingers um, and kind of lock down for it. Um, and yeah. I totally understand that confidence going through that because I didn't miss a beat. I was like, Man, I don't care, you know. I, I shouldn't yeah. say I didn't care. I did care that there was a health threat, but I wasn't worried about those offshoots that were kind of imposed or presented because of that. I mean, that's yeah. pretty insightful for someone that that doesn't come from it. Well, I think that um, a little bit of backstory here. I actually was a pretty intense prepper for 10 years 
10, like years ago, growing up when my, my kids were little. Um, I think when I became a mom and they were little, I, all of a sudden it was, and it was after nine 11. And I think the world seemed very different and I felt vulnerable and I wanted to, I became mama bear and wanted to protect those kids from absolutely anything. And in that I started to travel down a path of, you know, um, food storage, you know, I had my, I just, innately was like, I need to be prepared for changing times. And so, um, in those 10 years, you know, I had food storage for two years. I had absolutely, you know, seeds and I took classes to become a master gardener. I had a massive food production garden and was, um, you know, just really every step I took was about becoming, uh, ready for some big event, some cataclysmic event. The problem is, is after a long time of, of that type of preparation, um, I stopped just feeling as, um, it full in my life. I mean, I, I felt like I stopped traveling. I wanted to stay close to the safety net. I stopped, I had fear, I guess, I guess fear took over. Uh, not that it's not cool to have some things in stock on stock. I mean, I think that's wise for, for people to, to have mm-hmm. food storage and things to handle a storm. Um, but when it became kind of my lifestyle and, uh, and something that stopped me from doing wonderful things. And I just realized I need, I was going to not, I, I left that lifestyle. I had a divorce, um, moved out on my own. And so all of that money that went into it, it's a huge amount of money to really prep and, and really do that for a family of four. And I think once I left that behind, I realized all of that, it was gone. I mean, once, once a divorce happened and I left that, um, all of those things were just, they were gone. And I didn't, I didn't have the two years of food supply anymore. And I, or they, you know, they go bad if you're not rotating them or mold kicks in, something happens right. and they're things that are tangible that can come and they can go. And they weren't the foundation of truly being living a fearless life. It just was the opposite of that for me. So I, um, when the pandemic hit, I just literally was like, I'm not I'm not doing that again. That's just not the path for me. I've kind of, you know, I did that after nine 11. It's, time to figure something else out. Like what did, what did our ancestors do? How did they get here? And without Costco, because they figured it out and they did a damn good job. And so it really started coming down to these really basic skills of um, rather than go and invest in not only the frenzy of a pandemic or the fear of a pandemic, although I recognize it was a very challenging, concerning, scary time for many people. I just said, I want to travel lightly in this time. I want to feel like at any moment, I'm not carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. Um, I just want to feel like I can actually, um, you know, bounce and just feel active. And, and enlivened. And um, to me, that path was starting to become independent, self-sufficient, resilient, all the things that got me saying, okay, I got to figure out how to harvest food um, from the wild, uh, you know, plants grown around me from our common weeds that are glorious to um, trapping and hunting and fishing because 
those things at the end of the day, when you have those basic skills of uh, collecting food, procuring food, and you can take that full season and through all seasons, wherever you live, there's something just so empowering about that to, that removes fear and also brings good health into your life because your diet changes a bit. Not that we can all live on wild food. I think, you know, we live in a time where that's, that's, that would be very hard to do, but just having the skills to say, this is something that's important to me, um, has helped shift, uh, fear-based living into something much more extraordinary. I never thought of prepping in that light. Um, but you know, as you talk through that, for me, it was, okay, you're bogged down to your supply. You can't go anywhere. Um, but it would seem that the financial aspect of that is a abyss, if you will, right? Because if you're cycling through it or can you ever have enough when you're in that mode? Because, oh, you know, you prepare for, you know, I don't know. I'm just putting some out there. Level two, right? What's a level two for a prepper, right? That might be a year. Level five Mm -hmm. is six years. When do you stop? Right. And if you have that much, how do you cycle through that? I, yeah, I couldn't do it. That would, it would drive me batty. So many people um, at that time, you know, st- stocking up, stocking up. And then it would, um, if uh, that hoarding mentality is um, not only a drain on our resources, um, but it's, it goes back, you know, like one, one bad winter and here in the Pacific Northwest, if, you know, the mold, if they're not stored correctly, if they're not um, going through and um, rotating, if they're not diving into this food, if it's only emergency food, it gets, you know, it gets funked and then people forget about it. They don't use it. They're not incorporating it into their diet. And it's a huge waste. It's a waste of resources. It's a waste of energy from, from food, you know, growing food. And, and then it also just had the wrong energy for me. You know, if there's people who are hungry and I am someone who's storing two years of food, it started to just feel gross. Like, go take that food and give it to people who need food now. now. Right. And, and it's, again, it's, I do still feel, I, you know, I do, I, I keep some food storage around. I think it's important to have some things. We're all going to have uh, a time in our life where we may experience a, a bad winter or power outage or something more cataclysmic that um, I'm going to be quite happy to have some food on hand. Um, but, you know, I think it just boils down to all for me anyway, um, I'm just going to feel like a my human, my humanity has been activated since I recognize that I can see what food is. I know what it looks like in our environment and I'm investing the time to learn more about it, be in connection with it. Okay. Last thing on the, on the prepping, uh, I don't want to drag us down. <laughs> it almost <laughs> seems that it would be trans. You said, you mentioned the hoarding part of it, right? Air quotes aspect of it. Um, that almost seems like it would become transferable into other aspects of life, right? Like I can't let that go because of X, Y, or Z level one, two, or three, right? It almost mm-hmm. seems like I could totally see that just bogging me down. Like, no, thank you. Yeah. Well, it's energy. And, and when we have, when we, when our, you know, I think people feel that everyone, well, 
I shouldn't say everyone, a lot of people I talk to are seeking simplicity right now, are seeking more simplicity, less stuff, um, you know, a, a sense of calm around them. And I do feel that when we have big houses full of stuff, you know, it, we don't get to travel in this, in our humanity in a light way. It feels, you know, it becomes part of our anchoring. And I, at least I've discovered, <laughs> I have whittled so much away and I am, um, you know, I've, I'm actually thinking about shifting into a wall tent for the next year um, and living in a wall tent. I crave the simplicity so much. I have so much peace when I'm um, camping or, and I think you saw, I was out at uh, working out at elk camp in Oregon and I lived in a wall tent for a couple of weeks and I loved it. I just, you know, you take away all the clutter and it, and it, it opens up more brain space, more heart space, more energetics for us to be operating from. And, and to focus on, right? Because we're always focused on those anchors. And I noticed it when we were, when we were getting the house ready to sell and move the house. I mean, it was empty, right? We just, we pulled all the stuff away. You know, you got to prep the house, leave this, don't take that, blah, 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 blah. And that was one of the things I noticed. I'm like, I like it like this, mm-hmm. right? I can see that almost that whole wall now, because there's not this accumulation of, of stuff that we have, right. Pictures we have to have hung and, um, and it is really, really without sounding too cliche freeing in a sense, Mm -hmm. right. You just, you feel lightened. The only, (laughs) the only thing that I'm going to challenge you on is it's not really a challenge for me, I don't know if I could wall tent it for a year because I, I, I think we have a tendency just because of the nature of us as beings to lose appreciation for it over a longer duration. Now, when I go out and I spend my 30 days on the mountain and elk season, like that is, that is that reset, right? That factory reboot that mm-hmm. I look forward to all year long, right? I take all my problems and all my BS and everything I've been telling myself and all that accumulation and I go out there and I deal with it. I don't know mm-hmm. that I could do the wall tent and Oh, I'm not sold on it yet. It's just <laughs> that when I was out there for the three weeks, I loved it. And it was kind of an experience for me of thinking how, you know, what, at what level of simplicity do I want to dive into? One of the things I feel is important is that, um, living that simple is not, that's not easily accessible for everybody. That's really unique. And, um, and I realize I've done some lifestyle design changes so that I could be really flexible and really mobile. And, and, you know, that that's just kind of how I've set things up for myself, but that's not something that everybody can access. Um, and, I feel that it's really important to just be speaking to the the group, to all of us, because really you don't, I don't think you need to be, live in the woods to have these epic experience. You know, you don't have to live there. You don't have to be a hermit. You don't have to be, um, you know, you don't have to be such a hippie that, and I love hippies, but you don't have to be dive so deep that you can't integrate these things exactly where you are at exactly whatever your lifestyle is at. Um, I think 
that's, I hope to be more of a bridge that it's like, it doesn't matter what your presentation is, what your, um, current lifestyle is, we all can just find upliftment Mm -hmm. from some of the most simple things that nature offers. And I know that for some people, I mean, I have family members who are, um, you know, have a hard time even walking, you know, they can't even get, they, they're not going to go out hunting or, uh, spending, uh, time in the woods the way that, um, that they maybe used to be able to do. So, for people who don't have that type of access, well, you can still open your window at night and um, and just feel fresh air. You can light a candle and gaze into it. You can put get barefoot in your grass outside. I, I feel like there's so, it's not all or nothing. It's not, you know, you have to be this, um, you know, hardcore rewilder to get the, the, the joys of what our connectivity is longing for it's available to all of us and it's available right now, you know, catching, getting up before the sun and watching a sunrise is epic. It's, you know, there's so much to be explored just in the feelings um, of listening to our gut, listening to ourselves. And those quiet moments give us that intuition boost to give us that feeling boost. So you brought it up and I'm going to talk about it. You said, well, you said energy, but then something as, and folks laugh at, at me, I don't really laugh at us, but I've gotten a little bit of guff. And then my buddy, uh, Paul Servi, um, that skin or, or foot to earth is, I'll walk around, I walk around Elk Camp barefoot. Like I get in, I take my boots off, socks are off. I don't wear Crocs. I don't, none of that. It's barefoot and there's a reason I do it. And that's mm-hmm. part of that connection, part of that energy for me. Um, yeah, it sounds a little kooky folks sometimes. Um, so talk about that a little bit, right? Because you, you know, if I remember correctly, you're a yoga instructor too. And that's kind of where I got that idea, uh, was from a yoga instructor before the pandemic. Um, I was going six nights a week and just Mm. absolutely fell in love with it. Right. And it was the movement, I think spurred it on, but the connection I found with myself, uh, and then she said, Hey, this is what you need to do. And I've always, Mm -hmm. you know, just lay on the ground and catch a nap. Right. And I'm always so at peace and just relaxed with that. And I was like, Oh, there's Mm -hmm. something there. Talk about that energy a little bit. Um, and we'll just deal with me getting guff. Oh, I agree. Well, that's great. I, and I, um, I haven't taught yoga in a while, but I was a yoga and mindfulness instructor for many years and, and worked with, um, middle school kids as well. I taught a, um, a mindfulness program and an after school yoga program for that's a really middle good place school to kids. start. It's a great place Huge. to start. Those, those kids are so out of their bodies. They're just, they're, they're having such a hard time feeling, um, whole. (laughs) They're so fragmented and for good reason. Um, and a lot of us are. So, um, I actually went to the yogic training after I was a prepper. That was kind of my healing journey to get out of fear-based living is that was the, that was what my solution was. Um, and I really just, I appreciate movement and I appreciate, um, feeling more in my body. So I think what yoga has, 
allowed me to do. It's like a meditation and movement. Um, I can feel more spaces. I can put my mind into my feet, put my mind into my, into my, um, into my stomach. And, and I, it just has helped me to become more in tune to feeling and to know when something feels off or something feels great. I mean, I, I use feeling to make decisions. If, if, you know, if it's a hell yeah, it's immediate. And it, it's just clear if it's, eh, no, I step back. I mean, I really use energy as a way to make decisions and to um, feel what's going to feel right for me or, or decision-making. But I think that yoga is a wonderful path for uh, just from a, from our, you know, physical moving our body and being more present. And, but you can do that through walking. You can do that through hunting. I mean, all of, all of the modalities that take us off our phone and off of a TV, off of a screen and really just um, take us into um, the, the moment of where we're at. I mean, you can also sit in a forest and practice different techniques of say, closing your eyes and then just listening and listening to the sounds um, or putting your fingers into the earth and just feeling and seeing what, what you feel in your body. Uh, you can open your eyes, lay down and look up and see the forest floor from a different angle and just spend time gazing at it. And these are all really playful wonderful. This is what kids do. <laughs> this right. is our, our kids do that. They, you know, and, and so one reason I have a school wild kind Academy, um, a lot of people, a lot of the wilderness schools, a lot of the wilderness awareness or skills based schools are for kids are for youth. And this woman just the other day asked me, you know, I was giving her my business card and she was like, so what ages do you work with? Thinking I was worked with you. And I was like, Oh, adults, honey. Like, <laughs> like we, we and it yeah we need it we need it i think in some respects more than the kids i mean that sounds a little selfish right because i can't imagine being a teenager in damn, i sound old when i say this in this day and age that sounds so bad um but the the distractions and the crap that they have to deal with and meander through and as a parent you can't be there to help them every moment of the day i can't even imagine but the fact that we need it because we just forget. We forgot that we were that kid laying down on the dirt, looking at the mountain or the forest or the trees or the river through a different lens, just being on the side. And there's something and getting, and getting muddy and getting. Yeah, there's something super puddles. powerful yeah. about that. Right. And. You cannot be grumpy. You cannot be depressed. No. But there's, if there's, you're playing outside, there's <laughs> something. There's something with the machismo, right? Especially because it's it's male predominant. Um, there's something. It has a stigma about you can't do those things. Almost right. The, mm -hmm. Those are things that we don't talk. We want you know. We want the cool grip and grin. We want to show you know the bloody arrow. And there's so much more to it than just those things. Just, I mean, I do it I, every time I go out, I find a spot that I like. And if it's three miles away, that's where I want to eat lunch. Cause I like the view and I could mm -hmm. appreciate that view every single day. I'm going to walk to that spot just to eat a lunch. And then I'll go back to doing what I'm doing just because mm -hmm. of that head change, if you will. 
just to have that perspective, just to bring me back to looking at that, like, that's the spot. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's a detriment for, you know, the ultimate goal um, of being out there, but there's just something about it, that energy, right? That spiritual aspect of it is hugely, hugely, hugely understated. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think uh, kind of back to the youth as well. And that's beautiful to hear that you're doing that in your hunts and taking that, that time. I'm going to catch so much. But I, um, I feel that I have two teenage boys and, you know, I've could have invested in putting them into all of this training, like, go, you know, I'm going to put you through nature school. I mean, gosh, I would love to, um, but it, it had to start with me. Uh, it, it had to start with me because I'm, as a parent, I'm the leader in my household of how things are, how we, how we do things. And um, what my boys have witnessed in me in the last couple of years, and, you know, they've seen me run in the house. I mean, they, they, this is a real different mom than they had a couple years ago in terms of the things I'm into. And I'm, you know, running in with roadkill rabbits and (laughs) so I can practice, you know, and I'm running in the house with, I got fish and I got clams and I got, uh, you know, I've got ducks and goose. I mean, like they just are, you know, like gross, you know, at first they're trying to figure out, cause this is very new to them to have dead animals in the house. And then to have me on the kitchen table with a knife, just, you know, going out process. Yeah. And like, <laughs> Mom's lost her. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, then we make something delicious to eat. And, um, in fact, the only thing though, that I did not find delicious was I did, I'm not a fan of frog legs. I did a, I, I did some, uh, over here, they're invasive species. And, and, and so I had my first frog hunt last summer, I think. And, oh gosh, had all these frogs and, uh, yeah, not for me. (laughs) You know, it's funny when you, when you kill something and you put it on the table and you don't enjoy it, there is a substantial level of guilt about that life, huh? In that, and it's, it's almost profound and it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, and yeah, you kind well, of force you yourself through it. it. Yeah, you force yeah, yourself you through it, but it. man, do you feel bad? I was not expecting it to look like chicken and taste reptilian. <laughs> <laughs> so the taste like chicken thing doesn't hold with frog legs. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, go, just going back to the adults, because um, I have been teaching classes now for a while, and, and wonderful adults come to my class, and it's such a cool growing community and we have so much fun and it's so great to see people, you know, learning skills and using them and lighting up because they can make an emergency shelter and, you know, use, you know, figure out how to make knots and use with paracord and what they're doing. I mean, just when they dive into these skills or they experience going, um, you know, foraging and we find nettle and do a bunch of cool stuff with nettle. It's like it, I just love how collective we collectively, we all are just smiling and enjoying ourselves and lots of hugs and good times. And, you know, anytime you put people together around a campfire or around a fire, it's, you know, it's on. So, you know, the adults need this and our, their kids need to see 
their parents happy Mm -hmm. and figuring out how to navigate a challenging world because the parents can figure out how to get it together. Um, they can start to see a pathway that they can get it together and that our, our adults are not lost hope, but that we are actually, um, we got this, you know, we're intelligent. We're, we're mind, we're, we're mindful species. We're, we're meant to be in community. We're meant to be, um, capable in our world. Um, and so it's just about, I, I think some of those basic, basic skills help us remind ourselves how capable we are and how intelligent we are and how much we can handle. Well, and you said it too, right? You're the leader of your household. So you're setting the example by taking this all on and, you know, reinventing yourself, if you will. Um, yeah. And showing them that there's other possibilities outside of the daggum blue screen. And, you know, you go, it drives me nuts. You go to a restaurant and you look around and everybody's like this. And it's just yeah. like, and sometimes I'll do it. And then I'll, I'll look around and I'll see it. And I'm like, how embarrassing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, get that. And now I'm to the point where most of the time I just leave my phone in the truck or just, you know, there's times where I just leave it at home now. It's just me and my wife. Anyway, if the kids need us, they'll call my wife if they can't get me. Um, right. And it's just, yeah. It's a strong addiction. Yeah. It's a strong addiction for sure. And, um, and there are other ways we can get those chemical hits. Um, this this way just tends to actually deplete our energy. You know, do, doing the the method of of plugging into the matrix, for lack of a better word, yeah. is really it, it drains. It's a draining. It's you know, just like the movie. It's literally taking sucking it out of you. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it's, it's funny t- too. You know that you say that because they're saying, hey, if you want a good night's sleep, don't watch. You know, don't look at your phone or don't have the blue screen, whether that's TV, computer or your phone, you know, two or three hours before you go to bed, read a book. Right. And, and it's like, OK, there it is. It's that's saying a lot, you know, that there, yeah, there's plenty of science around yeah. around how we get healthy. But it's hard to do when 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 we're it's, it's hard to do. It's a strong addiction. So, uh, you know, I think what's available to us is other things that are going to light us up. And I think the, the more people, um, gosh, I, I, at least, you know, I would suggest it's not just about, you know, turn off the phone, but go do unusual things that are, that light your fire because, um, and when I say unusual, I mean, what maybe society feels is out of the norm. Um, again, going back to my kids, they, you know, I, I'm out here doing this stuff, you know, they, I, I left them for two months to go live in this primitive shelter in in the mountains of Colorado. Now, some, I, my boys are older now, there's, there's 16 and 19 and they can, you know, this is, they're at a time of life where it's like, see you mom. Yeah. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we, you know, I'm so, I'm at a stage of life where this is possible. But I think the more that I do these extraordinary things that I feel are extraordinary, they look at me and realize, wow, um, you know, what I'm trying to show them is that if you get after something and you love it, go for it. Like, absolutely go for it. If that means you do a whole shift of what people think you should be doing or what society says is the the norm of what our lives are supposed to look like. Um, a lot of us are slowly dying inside because of our lives looking and feeling how society is hoping we're going to stay. Mm-hmm. And um, I think 
when I have stepped outside of that and allowed myself, give myself permission to do what some may call be think as bizarre or what my kids may be like is, wow, that's really different. Um, at least at the end of the day, they're saying, you know, our mom's after she's going after it. And, uh, I, even if they don't take my path, I'm hoping that they get that whatever your path is, kid, like go enjoy it and go after it all the way. And, and you said, they get to see what's possible, right? Well, but you've made a choice to make those things happen, right? You've yeah. chased them, right? So I think it's not just, oh yeah, you can do whatever you want to do, but it is more so, damn, mom wanted to do that. And she's making it happen, like full board making it happen, right? There was a lot of sacrifice in in reading the story of it all and then talking to you that, you know, brought this all on and, and has brought you through this two, two and a half years. I think it's, it's pretty freaking cool for uh, not sound. Thank I you. don't want to. Yeah. I think it's awesome. What, what are driving people? Are you, are you seeing the same thing in your reason um, for pursuing this, chasing this, making it happen um, in other people, people that are coming to Wildkind? Um, are you seeing the same reason they want that, that confidence, um, and they're just, or are they looking for that connection with nature? What's, what's spurring a lot of people onto it? It's interesting. I've heard different feedback. Some people love to come to the courses because they just love the community connection. They, they feel lonely and, and it feels so good to sit around a fire. Cause I usually, my classroom is typically the outdoors. It's rare to be indoors, um, in a, learning. So there's always, there's going to be a fire going and we're going to be, you know, when people get there, it's, it's hugs and it's welcoming and we're learning new things together and we're talking and we're talking about all these things all the time, um, about what's bringing us joy. And so I, and what's making us feel more connected and, um, we're trying new things and, um, just really getting that chance to, to, to do it. I mean, to dive it, to not, you're not at work. You're not at some workshop. You're like, literally we're out in the forest and Hey, let's go, let's go do this. Let's go try this. Um, let's try on this skill, see how it feels. But the community connection is a big one for people. I also do think that every time they learn something that um, they didn't even realize was kind of a cool skill to have. Once they have that, once they got it, when they, when they leave, they just, you can just tell they're lit up and they're showing me, sending me pictures like, check out, you know, I just, I've been practicing my knots or, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing this or that. I, I went and foraged, uh, you know, this spring, you know, I've heard people would reach out to me and be like, check out my, my, you know, this big basket of, of wild greens that I pulled. And I just love that. I just, I think some people are really surprised at what's available to us and they just love the, the abundance. I took a group out to, um, uh, we, we, every year I partner with, uh, Bruce McGlenn, who is with human nature hunting out at Kettle Falls, Washington. And we, we head out to hood canal area and do a whole shellfish feast and forage event. So we've got people out there. We're, we're collecting oysters off the beach and popping them right there. And we have a chef out there who's got all these amazing sauces to just try on the spot. We're drinking hot toddies, you know, we're, we're, it's like 
fun. Uh, it's a great it's experience. A and then it's a party. It is. It's a party. It's a party. And um, it's a food harvest party. And then we're also collecting manila clams. And then the chef um, will take all of our manila clams and turn it into this beautiful meal. And we'll eat it that night. Oh, it's a wonderful experience. But I had a few, um, uh, I had one man in particular that was just in awe last last year. Um, he was gifted this course. He was going through um, a challenging time. And he just couldn't believe all the food around us. It was like he just had never been, had never done anything like that. And he's like, everywhere I look, there's, there's, there's oysters, there's, and we're just eating, we're just eating off the beach, like a full meal. And he was so lifted by the, I think the abundance of it, because I do think at this time right now, people are feeling that scarcity. They're feeling scarcity, whether it's resources, money, um, you know, just that, that scarcity fear. And then when you go harvest, whether it's a forage or whatnot, and you have so much abundance all around you, it's something at your very core to help soothe your being to say, nature is here and is providing and it's offering so much and wants our engagement. This isn't, you know, I, I, there is a difference between take, take, take energy and, and, and be a part of and commune with the natural world. And, um, and of course we're, we're taking the food, but we're consuming it in this state of love and joy that we put in the work, whether, you know, hunting, I'm sure you want, that's a very big part of hunting that people who hunt feel that, that that is one of the hardest gigs going is hunting. It's so, it's so much work. It's so expensive. I mean, it's very, you know, there's, but, um, there's nothing like it when you know that, uh, you put in that hard work and you had that experience, that engagement, and that is a relationship. It's a relationship with you, your senses, what you, what, you know, you in the wild, you know, stalking, listening, paying attention, um, staying focused, going through the hardship, the processing, I mean, everything, taking that shot, um, and then placing your hand on the animal. That is a relationship that is one of the most beautiful, profound relationships we can have. The the appreciation you have for whatever it is you're consuming in, you know, be it hunting, foraging, the relationship and the appreciation and respect you have for that life form, whatever it is, is a, th- um, a thousandfold of what it is when you go to a grocery store and you get cellophane meat or a bag of salad or a pack of shiitake mushrooms, which are my favorite mushrooms, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. There, there's no, there's no doubt that it's a relationship and a connection like no other. I mean, mm-hmm. how much food from a wild animal gets wasted. You can drop a piece of burger on the floor. And most folks that I know are going to look at it, pick it up and not hesitate to pick it up and eat it. If you do that with something that's bought in the store, most people, and then people buy four or five pounds of call it ground beef, two pounds of that may sit in the fridge and get moldy because they didn't eat all the spaghetti or whatever else they made. It doesn't happen with wild game. Yeah. Yeah. This dog yeah. is chewing on oh. everything he could find. <laughs> I was unloading everything from hunting season. And uh, so my, my studio is kind of a mess. 
So I had a pile of camos and stuff on the floor here going through it. And he's just in heaven. (laughs) So let's talk hunting. Um, There is a, you know, we talked energy. Uh, We haven't really talked about the spiritual aspects of all this per se, Oh. It's all spiritual. I mean, that's the thing. That's true. I don't even know if it needs to be named. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, hunting is spiritual, gathering is spiritual, living is spiritual, our it, feed in the grass is spiritual. It's all there. That one's huge. <laughs> that one. That one is a big, big deal. And mm-hmm. and the grass part, folks, is just uh, just a way of telling you on the earth. Um, but you said it right, you know, sitting around the campfire. I, I don't know that there's anything but the primality that draws us to that, right? It, it That's something that, you know, our ancestors yeah. did umpteen thousand, you know, million years ago. Um, but then also hunting, right? I mean, does it get any more primal than, than those mm-hmm. two things and the connection to the person that you find at okay i'm not going to generalize the person that i found in that is just leaps and bounds greater than anything else i've ever experienced period point blank nothing like it ever what mm-hmm. what have you seen what shift have you seen in yourself and what did you discover about jess when you took on the hunting aspect of this well, interesting uh, com- component here, um, if I were to back up a moment, before I was ever picked up a bow or thought about hunting, um, I was actually, I worked at a funeral home for a couple of years and was really interested in end of life. And I got an- interested in end of life because of how deep down the rabbit hole I went in my fear of living. Um I've, you know, we all have lost someone really important to us. I mean, I've through loss, through fear of loss, um, my, the way that I dealt with that at the time was I want to go be closer to the dead because I want a more, I want a better understanding of what it means to be alive and um, not fear this thing, but just you know, I got to look at, I got to look it in the face. That's how I've always been. I mean, that's just the way I am. Um, if I think about it, if I, you know, daydream, if I think, you know, if I, what's the word, if you're just always ruminating, um, versus, okay, what does it actually look like to be it in it and as close to it as I could possibly get. And I, um, and I went through a training to be a death, uh, like an end of life guide, a death doula, um, to sit, to be able to help care for, help families care for their loved one who have passed on. Um, and I've also went to hospice training to be, um, to sit with the dying. And that was just something I, I just did for a couple years because it really fascinated me. To me, I felt like there was, there was something there for me that if I could unlock my relationship with end of life, it would help me to live a better life. And um, I, I became, I, I was on the board of the National Home Funeral Alliance and um, just, you know, did every, started researching green burial and um, conservation burial and just more earth friendly, more conservation friendly alternatives to 
the golf courses of the of the death care industry, which is the cemeteries. Um, they're just they're a huge consumption piece. They're just a huge waste. There, there's a lot of resources used in a cemetery when there's something so natural is our bodies returning to the earth, and that became very fascinating to me. And I basically dove into it as strong as I'm diving into this right now. And I was give, touring and giving conversations or uh, lectures on end of life and um, alternative death care. And that, so when hunting came into the picture, it, it just felt so full circle to take, to take life. I mean, this part about being comfortable with taking an animal and being okay with that, being okay with with being the one who who does that, but how conscious of a decision that was instead of buying my meat at the store, as you mentioned, but the conscious decision to, to make that choice and then to be in the death of that animal and but then have that restore life by feeding my family. Um, that's very much some the this a very similar model to the green burial, the conservation burial that I was really getting excited about. That hey, maybe there's this thing about being human that death is okay, and it's a part of our life cycle. And if it could just be done with more mindfulness, with more connection and a sense of ownership in it, and being a part of it, not separate from it that somehow it would help heal me as a human being trying to figure out how to be alive. And hunting seems to be this, a connection piece to this for me um, because I feel more alive as a hunter. I feel more, um, I feel so much for animals and I feel so much for a lot of things. I'm a feeler. (laughs) Um, If If we haven't noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I, uh, but gosh, what a what a what a great thing to be a part of our food system that intimately! Um, what an amazing thing to be a part of our death care more intimately. Um, the what the worst thing ever during the pandemic to me was that our elderly and our sick were not able to be with their loved ones. Um, that was one of the one of the most challenging, mind blowing things that I was having a hard time with That's with to understand. One. Yeah, that was a rough end one to hear see any of it. To, to not be with your family and to not be with your loved ones. And so given that that's a possibility in our lifetime is pandemic uh, mindset and that we may have to be isolated or that people will be isolated or choose to not be with their loved ones. I mean, there's, there's a whole spectrum there and definitely, a you know, I, I'm just saying in that spectrum that we all had found ourselves on, um, I know that for me, uh, finding our joy and happiness without by ourselves, like how do we get mm-hmm. okay with it all? We were born alone. We're going to die, die alone. alone. Yep. And um, how do we get okay with it all? And that is spiritual too. Um, so I think even being able to be uh, a hunter gives, I don't know, I can tell the hunters I've met, I've met a lot of hunters, um, there's some of the most, there's some of the greatest humans I've met. Um, there's certainly been some, some that I'm like, oh man, good thing. I, this is, I'm only having this one conversation with you and we can end it. 
And, um, it takes all kinds. So I've had, everyone, we're all, you know, we're all, there's all kinds, but I sure have um, appreciated what outdoor out, outdoorsmen, outdoor outdoors women, what their perspective on things and the conversations we can have, and the experiences they're having that are so wonderful, unique, and I, I mean, I that's that was as exciting to me as when I was really under, trying to understand the nature of life and death. I mean, it's, we're here to figure it out. Okay. I'm going to rewind you a second. What, so explain the green or conservation burial. I'm curious. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um, in conservation burial, and there's actually a conservation burial grounds in Washington state. Um, there's only one and, and truly it, um, all the graves are hand dug. There's no machines on the property. So everything that land is, um, is protected. And with the land being protected, you know, there's no, um, metal vaults, steel vaults, concrete vaults going into the earth. Um, the, the body is returned to the earth either in a shroud, um, or in a pine box or something that can then be reabsorbed and, and, Consumed. you know, broken down and brought into nutrients. There's no grave headstones. Um, so maybe there's a river rock, um, there's, and the grave sites are at least, I believe they're 10 by 10 feet apart so that, um, if you're in any particular spot, if there's a tree root there, you have room to to not uh, disturb that root and and dig the the that hand dig, dug grave in a place that has the least amount of impact to the natural environment. So that would be a conservation burial ground um, is is the least amount of impact to to the earth. And then if you move up to green burial, green burial. Um, is really, there's lots of different kinds of green burial grounds, but, um, and there's a few in Washington, there's some in Oregon, but the idea on that is that, again, you're not using concrete uh, vaults into the earth. You are doing a direct body to the earth um, where the body can be reabsorbed up into nutrients and can grow new life, that that, that that energy from that body that goes back to the earth has the opportunity to um, get Go dirty. That. Now that... <laughs> <laughs> That's truly full cycle though, right? Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's that right. is full cycle and I'm I'm all for it. Like I do Absolutely. not want I do not want a wood box. I I've said that for I was as far back as I can remember. Don't put me in no daggum box. Um, yeah. You know, just yeah. let no. Isn't it? I mean, look at that parallel of even hunting that we're talking about hunting and how you want it. It's like getting your hands in there and doing the work mm -hmm. uh, when you're processing an animal, that, that visceral feeling of taking an animal and then hands on that animal, the gratitude, that exchange, that moment, and then putting in the work all the way through to consumption and feeding a family. Like that's a whole life cycle uh, experience. And in our own human bodies, I like that, uh, that kind of story that we have the ability to do the same. We're obviously, there's not a predator that is taking our lives. But now it's um, time to give and, back to what we've taken. But we are, we are life forms that have, um, nutrients and energy. Mm -hmm. And when that light goes out and we put our bodies back into the earth, well, then that exchange happens at a cellular level. And now we are feeding the soil and 
new life can grow from our expired energy. It's really a cool exchange. And so um, obviously there's no embalming and green burial. There's no, um, you know, there's nothing that, that goes back to the earth that's going to contaminate. Um, but it allows as much contact for that human to return uh, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, yeah, as you that, said. That's awesome. Yeah. And you keep bringing up stuff that's, it's. I guess it's not off base of the conversation, but, you know, for my typical hunting podcast. Um, <laughs> We're not really life- talking broadcasts, are we? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually nice, right? Because, you, you know, you get to delve into, you know, a, a conversation of, of things that you think about. And, and some people, if they have these thoughts, but some people won't talk about them because it's not the norm, right? It, especially, and I'm just saying, especially for men, right? We don't want to admit spirituality all the time or, you know, these energies and things like that. And so it's kind of, it's refreshing to have a, a conversation outside of it uh, where we're not just mm-hmm. talking about how to kill something. Um, so the life versus death thing. And, and as you were going through that, I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't fear death, right? The, the, and I've thought about this immensely, right? Because I put myself in precarious positions on the mountain all the time. And when I think about that, it's how, what am I leaving? How am I living that is going to make me okay with lights going out, as you said, right? And that that to me is, putting forth the best possible version of me to impact the people that I come in contact with in whatever minuscule way I can do that. Right. In whatever small way. And then when that time comes, I don't have to look back on this selfish a-hole of a 20 year old that you used to be, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I got this figured out to a point. I'm going to live the best version of me in every single day, every single moment I can and impact positively the people around me in whatever way I can and give as much as I can give to the next person in whatever form they receive it, whatever their perception of that good is. It was me given. And then when it's time for the lights go out, guess what? Shut the sun's off and turn me back. Don't put me in the box. <laughs> Plant me under no, the tree. No, don't put me in the tree or take me up to a mountain ridge and let the dust go. Right. I just, yeah. you know, and, and it was funny as you were saying that, cause I've, and I don't know why I don't spend a lot of time, you know, involving myself in that conversation in my head, but it's something that I know that I'm okay with because of how I've chosen to walk my path. Um, so it was pretty interesting to hear you say how you dealt with it um, and, and your thoughts on it. It was pretty cool. Mm, well, I, I definitely think that um, our, at least from hospice training, different things that I've kind of ex- explored this conversation, um, it seems like death, the fear of death is really aggravated when we're not in alignment with the life we want to be living um, because there's always that sense of, I, I didn't do what I came here to do and I didn't. Yeah. Like this is, you know, I have purpose here that has, that I think about, or I'm reached, I want, but I'm not giving it the time that it deserves. And, um, 
And so I do feel there's something that um, helped me to overcome that fear of, of death, which was just starting to make choices that made me feel like the, the reason I'm here, that my calling, the sense of why I want to, what I want to explore while I'm here is, is a check. I'm checking those things off my list. So you can get rid of that, the fear of death by getting rid of the fear of living. Cause that's what a lot of that is, right? The shoulda, coulda, wouldas. Most times totally. people don't chase that stuff is because they're scared of the other side of it. And they have no idea the potential or possibility in between where they are. And what there's what they want to do, but they're scared of the result. They're scared of the failure. It's like, what the heck is that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so get rid of the fear. I, I love it. The, the fear of death. I, I'm, I'm, somehow I'm going to frame that, right? You get rid of the fear <laughs> of death by getting rid, first getting rid of the fear of life or the fear yeah. of living. And, and that, I mean, that's huge. You don't take any chances. Oh my God. I mean, I, and I'm not going to mention names, but you know, there, I have family members and I look and I'm like, Damn, that's the only thing that you do every day, all day, every day. Like, you know, yeah. hey, you want to do this? Oh, no. And it's like, whew, how do you, I, I can't, to each his own, I can't see going through life that way. Yeah. Just, it's wasted, it's wasted human potential. It, it's yeah. wasted opportunity. It's wait. oh God. Yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, back to hunting. Um, <laughs> so, so why archery versus picking up a rifle? Or it was just—is that part of the? The first experience I had, I um, I was dating a man in Idaho a couple years ago, and he said I'd never been on a hunt. I'd never, um, I, I just knew nothing about it. Um, and he took me out on an antelope hunt. And we were sitting in a blind and uh, at a water hole and he had a compound bow and we were there for two days and watched him take a successful shot and helped him process, you know, uh, field dress and <laughs> process and all the way back to, you know, eating steaks that night. And it just, it was such a, I, I mean, it, I literally was like, this is it. <laughs> This is it. I just had such a oh aha moment of like, oh God, uh, who knew this is something uh that was part of in my scope. And so when I got home from Idaho, I went straight into an archery shop and I bought a compound bow just because that's what I witnessed and um started shooting. I found Joel Turner, who's my archery coach, who's um who has the shot IQ course. I went to his clinic. And, um, just loved his training, uh, you know, just loved how he, uh, taught me the, the kind of the mindset. It actually really had a very yogic, uh, Yoda, vi like Yoda vibe, actually. I mean, he's like, you know, it's super Zen, um, his stuff. And that spoke to me that there, you can enter this presence process through just archery training. And I love archery training just it's like the meditation and movement. It's like yoga. It is, um, it is totally locking in mindset, focus, breath, um, aim, and taking a controlled shot. 
And that just became something to me that as natural as, as uh, any of the other yogic trainings I had done. So um, it really just becomes a tool for the mind. I love archery and that's, um, I don't like, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of big, loud guns. Go, I mean, it, you know, that makes me go, Ooh, you know, I love archery. It just, it, and it, there's something you mentioned about that primal right. element of fire of that primal element of plants that are growing wild. There is a primal element to, um, it, to our weapons too. And, um, I've actually switched this year to a long, a longbow, um, because I wanted to even get just Further more, yeah, yeah, like remove the bicycle wheels. And, I don't know. And after feel Joel's that, course, that's like shooting a compound though. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding to his credit. Um, but, but I, I look now I shoot, now I shoot a longbow and it just was a, like another layer of like sinking in of just dropping into to just that the feel of of that that um, natural wood in my hand and being able to aim you know take all the mechanics out of it and <laughs> just it's very simple that this has just been part of my simplicity process but um, so, but I've gone duck hunting with a shotgun and, um, I certainly, uh, want to explore hunting with a rifle for other, uh, species. I just, that's just in my future. Anything with the longbow yet? No, that's going to be, uh, I'm doing a late season archery hunt for blacktail here Oh, nice. and I'll use the longbow. Yeah. I was going to say, give it a little while and you might pull that rifle out sooner. Then. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I hear you. As I, if archery and, hunting and wasn't I, hard I, enough. I mean, that's, that's also, you know, but to me just being out there, you mm -hmm. know, and there is a, it's, I'm having an experience and I am completely, uh, it's like the training, right. To just take away, you're like, I'm not working today. I'm not going to be on a computer today. I'm going to be out, um, in the woods with my bow and this, everything else is not going to matter on a level playing field that, that to me. And yes, we have a weapon, um, but we're not, there's a lot that we're not beating. Right. So I don't want people to say, well, it's not really a level playing field. Um, but you're out there on a level playing field with your prey trying to best. I mean, there's something about just thinking about it that just, like I'm right now, there's no season here. And I'm I'm like, what can I flip and hunt? So I'm trying to find private land because there's some private land turkey hunts that are still going. <laughs> so I'm trying to weasel my way in. But there's just something about being out on that level playing field and that yeah. humbleness that comes along with getting your butt kicked hour after hour. Uh, even on something as, as, I shouldn't say that. It's kind of disrespectful, but, you know, at, a foul waterfowl or just, you know, I shouldn't say that, or just a turkey is what I was going to say, right? Because that's how we view it in our arrogance. Uh, but then you go out there and you realize like, GD, this freaking bird has the best eyesight in the woods. Like mm -hmm. why I keep falling down to a turkey of all things. And there's mm -hmm. just something about losing that arrogance out there that just, yeah. I just love it. I can't get enough. Yeah cannot get enough well, and we get a chance to work with our instinct and our gut feeling and our sense of intuition and that's to me where i really start to feel like an activated human is when i get opportunities to feel like feel instinct and feel animal instinct 
and feel other animals instinct. There's, you know, then, you know, then it's like, okay, we're, we're all animals. And I'm also accessing now my greater states of consciousness. Um, there's just something really cool about this, this whole thing, you know, to, to be out there and put in, put in that quiet time. So on the website, and then you, you've said it three times since we've been talking. And you talked about that that gut instinct, that gut feeling, right? And we say, oh, follow your gut all the time. I don't think anybody truly does. But there's a disc- – They just cannot listen to it. That, that's very true. That Everybody is very true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, we're not listening, right? We're not heeding those, those intuitions. Um, have you seen an increase in going with that flow versus oh, yeah. when you were disconnected yeah, yeah. from – this side of you or this part of you? Yeah. Talk about a spiritual journey. Um, to me, that has been one of the most impactful, um, I guess, consequences of slowing down, of getting offline, of um, being spending more time in nature is the development of feel. And the, I think being present helps us. You know, we if we listen, if we take the time to, to be quiet and to not be entertained, to be off. That's the offline part, um, because if we're if we unplug from that matrix tube that's sucking our life force, and we head out and and become receptors, we let our brain be a frequency receptor um, for sound, for energy, for light changes for, I mean, we are one big receptor ourselves. So the process of just going and saying, what happens if I allow myself to receive information um, and I accept that information because it is there and it is, it is coming to you. Um, incredible opportunity to start to trust yourself and to make decisions for yourself you can count on. Um, I think a lot of us question our, our decision-making. We question if we're doing the right thing, what our, what we should be doing with our lives. We actually know, we feel it. We just don't take, it's the fear of making that then the decision that our body and our mind and our spirit or whatever you want to call it is telling us um, and urging us and, and pulling at us. And yet, um, you know, and that goes from basic level instincts to, do I take this shot? Do I not take this shot? Um, am, you know, is this, is this, uh, do I, am, is this the path I'm taking or is it this other path? You know, am I taking this trail? How am I, I mean, those are kind of those hard skills, but they still involve feeling. They still involve gut feeling. And you can just really expand that out. I think that hunting beca- can become a tra- training ground for our reality, for our life. Um, because when we're out there and you're making those more instinctual decisions that don't have emotional consequence, like, will my spouse be mad at me? Will my, you know, my boss uh, fire me? Will I mean, those are the, we bring in all that complication, but in the woods, or wherever our spot is that we do and we access those channels, we take out the emotional attachments to our decisions because now it's 
primal, primal. Like I'm here, I'm going to make a decision. Nobody's here to tell me that's a bad decision. Nobody's here to shame me for that decision. I'm here to just make those decisions. And then you, you, you take that skill set that you're training in. That's probably why when you're in the field for 30 days and you come out, you feel so amazing because you've been a decision maker. You've been a sovereign being who makes uh, reality happen for themselves in your way and in the way you want to unfold reality. And then we come back to our regular lives and there is so much complexity around around us and our decisions that make us feel limited again and make us not in touch. The What I notice from doing that 30 days on the mountain is that my decision making when I came back, I was more empowered to say F off to the things that would not allow me, or I was fearful of, I wouldn't be allowed to make the decision that I wanted to make that, that gut instinct decision, that, that gut feeling. And it was just like, no, this is what I'm doing. Take it or leave it. You know what I mean? This, this is the decision. And what I've, what I've seen from that is, oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's the right decision. Thank you. You know? And it's like, oh, that, that's as easy as it was. So I've walked around for 40 some odd years up until I started saying all September is mine on the mountain. I've done that for what, what am I? 48. So that's four years now. So since I was 43, I was, I was coming back after 10 days and you fall back mm-hmm. into that trap, right? That, that fearful mindset. Oh my goodness, this isn't going to work. I can't do this because X, Y, and Z. Now it's just like, no, here it is. This is what it is. This is what I'm doing. This is my decision. And then you look around and everybody's just nodding like, yeah, all right, cool. Thanks. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You got it. And it's just like, oh, heck yeah. Wilderness training gets us. I think it gives us a training ground. I mean, whether it's you're shooting a bow and it's archery and you're trusting your, your mind path to be able to focus, whether you're out hunting and you are trusting your instinct and intuition and getting into a more primal state of listening to the, listening to the information coming in. Um, I mean, clearly the animals, the birds, the deer, that the elk, they have that they they can operate so well in their stealth mode and in their ability to make you know instinct decisions we can access and train in that when we allow ourselves to uh be in the outdoors at that level and then it's just a yeah it's a big training ground for us to then come back and put that into our lives and say how does this how does this become relevant for me to be living a life i want to live that is um exactly, you know, that doesn't fear that, that this could be my last day because I'm living exactly how, uh, this, the, how I've designed, wanted to design my life. And I factor in true instinct, gut feeling and a sense of this is right for me. Um, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I freaking yeah. love it. So am I, are we super long winded? Oh no, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. Um, so talk about Wildkind for a little bit. You know, you have courses, retreats, um, the mentorship. Run us through Wildkind and and what um, what Wildkind offers, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm in my. Uh, so this is, I guess, the third year now. Maybe I'm coming into it. 2023 is the third year, and I'm really dialing in what kind of classes, live classes that I'm offering. And right now, uh, the lineup is there's um, 
There's basket weaving. We make a forager's basket once a year with a master basket weaver. There's intro to fly fishing, intro to fly tying. Um, there's a whole food sovereignty series that I'm partnering with Ray Livingston, who is going to be the lead instructor for that. Um, he was on season uh, six alone, the history channel. He was also on uh, mud, sweat and beards with Donnie dust and also, um, now currently on mountain men. When are you and, going um, after alone? <laughs> you know, I went after alone. Did I, I kind of, yeah, I went after it and I, I didn't have enough. I think they didn't choose me cause I didn't have enough hunting experience. Um, or like enough it was back at the time it was my first hunting season and who knows I actually who even knows uh, maybe I you know I, who knows but uh I've I've really since then decided I don't think that's the path for me although I thought about a, a, um, I was waiting again. to see it <laughs> I, I enjoy I think the opportunity to be alone for that long however I also recognize that I think what I'm my mission right now in life is not to, to show people the impossible. Like I, I don't know a lot of people watch alone and they're like, I could never do that. Um, I would rather show people what they can do and, and let more people understand that you don't have to suffer, starve, um, and be extreme in order to benefit from the rewilding of your life. And if I could have my own reality show or my own show that really gets into the joy of, and the abundance of wild food, the joy of, of being in the wild and the sovereignty to be experienced, this stuff we're talking about, that to me has a lot more interest and I think would speak to a lot more people and have more impact in the collective lifting of all of us than, than trying to, you know, go and starve and lose 20 pounds and get, <laughs> you know, get cavities. Cause I haven't brushed my teeth. I don't know what happens, but I just don't know right now if that's the calling. I feel more drawn to bringing in more, more people, people to say that this is not impossible. If she can do it, I can do it. And that's definitely, it's a little bit like that. Cause I am maybe not your typical bushcrafter. That's for sure. When you, when you, <laughs> when you, Look from the outside in, you're going, you know, and no offense, what is this lady doing? And that's kind of what intrigued me initially, right? Like, okay, I'm yeah. going to watch this. I want to see what the heck is going on here. And and then to watch it and to see how you just went full immersion, right? Not, yeah. it hasn't been a little bite at a time. I mean, two years <laughs> no. is, is, a, is a blink of an eye, right? And the, I mean, just... Throw me in the boiling water, just keep that's the frog legs out. And that's exactly what you did. And it's just like, holy, yeah. you know, and, and to see the progression. I mean, it's been, it's actually been really, it's been fun to watch for me. Uh, but then it's also been very intriguing and very uplifting um, because it's like, okay, this, this is a real thing that people are interested in. And when I see your post and whatnot, and it's like, okay, wow, there are people that are interested and maybe it's not via hunting. Maybe it's just gathering, right? Or maybe, you know, it's fishing or, or clamming, but there's people interested in this lifestyle because what you mm -hmm. see all around you is the disconnection and the lack of, or the hatred of this lifestyle and outdoor lifestyle is what's presented more times than not. So it's really, really been a cool, 
thing for me to watch. I didn't mean to cut you off. So I'll oh, let you finish. Yeah. No, well, it's, um, I, and I know that I'm hoping to show women and men that, uh, just, you know, try, try to open yourself up that we all belong in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. And so even someone who wears big ass hoops, like I do, you know, and, <laughs> go, and, and whatever else. I mean, I know for my birthday in Colorado, I, I brought with me, I knew it was going to be my birthday and I was going to be living in a primitive shelter and I'd be bushcrafting every day. And I brought a full leopard print bodysuit to wear with the biggest hoops I could wear. And I get that some people could look at that and be like, what is she, this, you know, this is it, this is a whole thing and it's ridiculous. And it could be. Um, but I tell you what, I know how to get, I know how to be like down to the elements of pure living in the mud. Um, and I know how to have fun and say, not take myself too seriously. And I think that if I can welcome other, um, women into the outdoor space that says it doesn't matter how you're expressing yourself at all, there is no judgment here. We all belong here. And, um, whoever you are, you, you belong here. This is your human uh, destiny is to know your place here. And it doesn't matter what you wear and it doesn't matter how, you, you know, how you look on social media or in your life. It's, you, there's a space here for you. And it's, I hope to bring that welcoming, welcoming place. Um, so that people don't think you just got to be a camo wearing, um, you know, whatever. I don't know. It's, you can wear camo. I, love camo. Right. I wish there were camo right. emojis. I would use one every day in my texting. Um, <laughs> but, but it's, you know, so I think, so back to real quick, Wild Kind Academy, this, the food sovereignty series that we're starting in the spring, Ray Livingston is going to be uh, partnering with me on that. We're going to have all sorts of skills weekends. Um, Nathan Donnelly, who was also on a loan, has come on board with me to help teach blade school all things about knives, uh, sharpening, uh, being able to do different cuts, being able to just be respectful of the knife and the blades and safely use them, uh, bringing in saws, axes. Um, I also do the foraging stuff. Um, I teach wilderness survival. So I teach, um, I, <laughs> I teach, I, yeah. there is I teach, not uh, enough of that. Yeah. And you know, that's a big topic right there because I, I feel even a lot of hunters, um, and gatherers are missing that component of, um, Hey, what happens if you take a wrong turn and you have to spend the night out, uh, an unexpected night out, mm-hmm. um, make sure you have your 10 C's. And I teach a 10, I teach a class on a one day masterclass on the 10 C's of survival and what to have with you at all times, um, and how to use those tools. And then I also teach a three day and a five day wilderness survival course that will happen in the summer. And then this, uh, summer also, I'm doing a nine day wilderness immersion experience where I'm going to take people back to where I learned, uh, in Colorado in the mountains of Colorado, and we'll be doing bushcraft and, uh, wilderness survival and gathering tinder, uh, from natural resources, uh, processing tinder, making fire, um, working shelters of different kinds. Um, then we'll backpack down to this remote river where we will, um, everyone will get a chance to stay by the end have a little solo experience and, um, you know, make shelters and, and harvest, uh, make sure they're catching crawdads and eating, you know, grasshoppers and all that stuff. I need no um, damn grasshoppers. <laughs> <laughs> we, if we do have a ton of, popcorn, but... <laughs> we have a ton of crawfish here in Colorado and we have some honkers too. Um, oh, I, think I we bet. Have 13 yeah. different species in the state of crawfish. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 
I lo- there's different places call them different things. I here I grew up calling them crawdads. Yeah, crawfish, crawfish, yeah. crawdads, crayfish. Yeah, but I, I lived bugs. off them. I, I made a spear that I that because um, I'm so jumpy when when I'd have to go and use my fingers to pick mm-hmm. those little suckers up. They, I'd <laughs> scream every time. I'd just be like, ah, just their reaction, my reaction. I don't like that. So I made a spear, and that's how, how you uh, I did better with spear. Yeah, okay. but I. Those this summer. Yeah. So Wild Kind Academy, it's live courses. I'm going to be um, open to putting, I'm totally open for if there's groups that want me to come to them uh, to put on a, uh, a any particular course, especially wilderness survival or wilderness awareness. I, of course, um, do mentorship and work with people one-on-one. Um, and then, and that's even from that lifestyle design place of wanting some coaching, maybe of just how to feel good and, and, uh, have a big full life and, um, feeling like they're making decisions and that, that are, uh, supportive for their dreams and, uh, good health. And I'm, I'm a certified health coach. Um, so I get, I dive into those realms and, um, and then I'm also going to be getting an online school going here fairly soon in 2023, where a lot of these courses I'm doing, like the masterclass and how to make a bug out bag and some basic wilderness survival will go into an online course. How do you get people through the solo days? Because that is, I know, (laughs) I want to say names so bad. I got a couple of buddies that, hey, man, you want to come on the mountain? Hey, man, uh, are you going to be on the mountain? Hey, I'm like, dude, go hunt. Oh, and and it's like, won't go solo at all, at all. Mm -hmm. How do you get people past that, that fear of the unknown of being in the woods solo? Honestly, oh gosh, this is a topic that probably could get long-winded for me because it's I I can go into some pretty deep realms here. Um, I think they have right to be a little bit. I mean, there is a respect and a level of of of, of okay. Let's see. <laughs> Any time alone in the woods, um, I've done it when I knew nothing, and I just was like. I'm just going to go spend the, I'm literally going to go and spend the night by myself in the woods and you no skills. I didn't have any of the spiritual awareness of place. And I pretty much got kicked out. Like it was, I mean, I got my butt kicked and, um, and so I, I can't quite tell yet. This is a total chicken or the egg thing. Do you put people out in a solo and say, all right, go have an experience and then let's come back and let's talk about it. And let's see what, where, where we need to go from here and just kind of sink or swim, just like, you know, like throwing a toddler in a, in a pool. Um, or do you, do you give them some skills? Do you get them going with some things, teach them some of the basics and then take them out to their solo where, where they're a little bit more empowered to, um, to, to feel that. Now, the other thing about solo time in the woods, and I think what people fear is, there are sounds that are unusual. I mean, the first time I heard a screech owl, I just about, fuck, it, it was just, you know, it was horror. It was a horror movie. Um, and I would, I didn't know that was a screech owl, you know, when you've, so there's a lot, and sometimes a chipmunk sounds like the biggest Sasquatch that ever <laughs> came through the book. So, I, I, you know, it's a lot of confusion. So I do think it's about, you know, starting to just have more immersion to help you start to learn the sounds and relax a little bit. But I have learned with some unique experiences that I've had that 
um, my, the mindfulness of presence at a location matters. So I don't just show up and drop my pack and say, here I am. And here, you know, I'm camping here now. Um, I feel a location before I stay in a location. And that's part of that training of the gut and the mind and the spirit and the body, because, because location places have energy places have, have welcoming pockets and stuff. That's like, no, you're not welcome here. I felt it. I have, and I've had really interesting experiences and I pay attention to that stuff. Um, when I did my solo, I didn't just, you know, it took me a little while to find the right location. I walked around. I, I, I put the intention out that I was looking to stay and that I wanted to be in beautiful harmony with, with the location where I landed. And I would, um, be mindful of my, of, of me in that space. And, um, and that I, you know, I, I speak intentions out of, uh, of my heart and my, and my, of why, and my guidance and why I'm there. And, um, and I will create an offering of some kind. Um, I don't just land somewhere without, you know, whether it's through light and fire and creating a fire, um, warmth, um, whether it's cutting a piece of my hair, whether it's finding a specific stone that really spoke to me that I, that I, that I give back or a feather that I find and I leave. Um, but I always just make an acknowledgement that there is more going on in the, in the, in the universe that I understand. I don't have the answers to these things. I don't have a religion about all of these things. Although I do think there is, um, animism and, and, there is, there is a study of this clearly. I can't pull the word, um, which that everything has life force, that the trees have life force, that the, you know, inanimate objects have life force. I, I'm a feeler and I don't just go spend a solo time without clearly being mindful of, of that space. And yeah. yeah. And I've, I've, I've felt that right. Where, you know, you're going through and it's just like, it's just, it just felt off, right. For the lack of a better way to describe it just felt off. And it was like, yeah, I'm not really feeling this. It's funny because there was an area I was hunting um, just below one of my, you know, air quote honey holes. And I would see animals in it all the time. And I was bear hunting and I saw a big old bear in there. And I remember going down in there after that bear and just feeling that off. I mean, and mm-hmm. it was so off that it was like, look around, I'm out of here. Yeah. Every time I drove by that spot, I got the same flipping feeling every single time. I'm like, something's up with that area. And I don't know, yep. I can never put a finger on it. I have no idea why it was just not inviting to me at all, at all. I avoid those areas. And you listen to that. And I think that's that, that's that instinct that when you become someone who spends a lot of time in the outdoors, that information matters. And that information is information. It does, You don't even have to have judgment on it or wonder right. what the deal is. It doesn't even matter. It's just, you, you just pay attention and, um, and you will have, I think, a better experience in the outdoors when you listen to those things yeah. and feel that, uh, feel the place. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I don't even think I would even take a little walk through there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I, gosh, I was out scouting in Oregon at a place, uh, in the September that just literally the hair on my arms were just, I just, 
had to, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. Right. Um, you know, and it could have, I actually think I was in some territory where there was, uh, and I know there's a lot of grow operations out there near the coast. And, um, and I, I think there was someone in the woods. I think there was, I think they were protecting their plate, their, their spot. And I actually think it was people reactivity that I was feeling, mm-hmm. but regardless, I, I listened to it. Got out. Yeah. I'm, I'm the same yeah. way. So before we wrap up, um, one of the things that intrigued me was, you know, you, you, you weren't a hunter. This wasn't your lifestyle and it's something that you got into. And then now it's your entire being outside looking in. Forgive me if that was understated or overstated. Hunters, our demographic, myself included, and I told you this, we live in a vacuum, right? And, and I've been struggling to even put out podcasts because of that. I don't want to just talk to hunters. I do want to talk to hunters, but I but I want to impact a bigger audience and not live in that vacuum, right? And share this, what you're doing, and share my passion for living life outdoors and being a hunter. What how do we get those people? How do we bring those people into the fold? What do we how do we talk to those people? How do we commune with those people? How do we find those people? Um, because when yeah. I look around, you're you're probably doing it better than most. Um, Thank you. So I'm I'm very curious to that um, because living in a vacuum doesn't it doesn't serve a greater good. It doesn't serve the demographic. It doesn't serve our way of life as hunters. Yeah. Well, you know, um, it's the thing is is that um, hunting is important. You know, it's important that we are uh, educating around hunting and the why behind hunting, as, as especially your listeners and your podcast. I mean, we're hunt- these are people who value hunting um, and there are still so many misnomers and, and things that people don't understand around hunting. So I think the more we help open up the demographic and not be judgmental to whoever that's come. I mean, if, if people are open to hearing about it, are opening to learn about it no matter who they are, welcome them in um, because we need all of us to understand the importance of our heritage and that hunting is a big piece to that. And, you know, where I live in Washington state, I mean, it's, it's concerning over here that we're, um, you know, what, where, yeah. And, and, and we could be voted out of our um, right to hunt and, this is a very concerning time where we, it's so important to learn food sovereignty, the why, and that, that hunters are not, obno- well, there's obnoxious there everybody's, yeah. but, but, you know, that we take as hunters, the responsibility of taking care of, you know, the natural world that we're in, that we, we take care of it, that we are in nature responsibly, mindfully, and that we can extend that to our human our, you know, our, our fellow humanity to the best of our ability to create a welcoming environment. I mean, even when I've been in hunting camp, um, cause I, I, I'm base camp manager for upfront outfitters in the fall. And I signed up for that gig because I wanted to be around hunters and I want to hear the conversations. I want to learn more. I want to scout with the guides. I want to, you know, this is just an opportunity for me to learn more. And I'm still witnessing, I, I, you know, I, I'm still witnessing the 
the behavior that is why I can understand certain women wouldn't want to get into hunting. Um, cause there is some, there's some gross behavior out there. Um, that's, that some of the men are still holding, uh, around women in the outdoors. And I've, uh, unfortunately had, you know, witnessed that and it's still, it's so old to me. It's like, okay, die off already. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like, like, this isn't, shouldn't be part of our conversation anymore. Um, this hunting is part of our heritage and it, and even in, in our historical, um, understanding of time, women have always, they're hunter gatherers as well. Um, so there's a space for all of us here. And I think I really love that you've brought a woman onto your podcast. Um, not to say women, men, blah, blah, blah. Cause my school is for everybody who's interested in the outdoors. I don't have a school just for women. I have a school for people who value their connection with nature. Um, but bringing on a woman into your hunting podcast is awesome because it's another voice. I think the, the male female quality of, of, of the masculine and the feminine is actually a very beautiful balance to have Mm -hmm. in the outdoors. I think women can bring a different tone to hunting and that men have a different tone to hunting and that it's all okay. And that, um, and that there is something that men can learn from the women about how we look at energy intuition, um, to be able to be feelers, you know, men can look at that and say, there's something there that I can extract from, from this. And women can learn from men and say, you know, you know, so we're all, you know, we have our strengths that we bring to the table and to create that welcoming space. I know, um, uh, Ray, but Ray, who's going to be the instructor for my course, uh, he's a man of color. And between him and I doing our marketing together, here's a man of color, here's a woman <laughs> marketing an intro to hunting class. But the idea is um, great. Let's get let's get more people. Uh, we're going to need those people. Is that the we big know, brother we that help. wears the that wears the uh, long coat? Is that yeah, right? Okay. Probably. Okay. Yeah, he's got the raven, and he's yeah. um, he's. Yeah. And he's a predator hunter. So he's been really doing a lot with predator hunting. Um, nice. um, wonderful man. And we have our great team, but we're really, you know, we're definitely, yeah, please do. He'd, yeah. he'd be great on your show. He's really wonderful to talk to. And, um, you know, but we look, we, when we do a marketing blast with our faces, we're like, this is so great. <laughs> this is totally, this is not your typical, um, you know, hunting, uh, intro to hunting. Uh, but that's but that's the nice thing when you look at hunting, right? And and what it is, and and we are very tribal. I, I think that's just our nature, right? And we'll separate for camo, for ammo selection, for what kind of freaking scope or, or elk call we're using, right? We want to we want to pigeonhole ourselves into these camps, but but there's <laughs> something about being out in nature and out on the mountain, it doesn't care. It doesn't care what ethnicity you are, what religion you are, um, male, female. It, it doesn't matter. It, it has no bearing on your ability when you're out there. It's it's what you put into it. You get out of it in every bit of it. How you march on the mountain is shown in season, the preparation you put in, you know, in the off season, mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm just saying that because that part of it drives me crazy, the separations in it. And it's just like the mountain, excuse my language. I've kept this clean the whole time. Well, I'll keep it clean. The mountain don't give up. 
whether or not or who you are out there. It's the ultimate leveler, right? It, it shouldn't, yeah. it shouldn't matter, you know? Yeah. Um, that, that part of it puzzles me. Yeah. But. And, um, and gosh, one thing, since we're, I feel like I need to say this because it goes back to something we were saying about solo time in the outdoors, um, having a solo in the woods. Um, I do believe solo exploration allows you to be a better hunter. I do. I think when I I've met people who are terrified to be in the field by themselves, um, I understand, but, um, one of the greatest things that happened to me on my solo was this massive storm came in. Um, I mean, we had six hours of lightning and thunder directly over me. Like, like as it was terrifying. Um, I thought for sure I was going to get struck by lightning. It was just everywhere. And the rain was horrendous and there were strange lights. And I mean, I could hear things and see things. I mean, it was a terrifying night and, my heart was racing and I, I was, I, there was something that happened, a shift that occurred where I used the training, mental training, mind training, Yoda training to say, I have two options here. I could literally keep being terrified all night long, which is going to get me nowhere. There's nothing I can do. This is out of my control or I can just actually pause on the wonder of this moment. If this is my time to go, this is my so time to go. And here I am witnessing nature in the most grand, you know, cathedral, watching a show that's bigger than any IMAX theater ever. And so I'm actually in my personal, like, full on yeah. show. Yep. And I started to go, okay, take what's out of my control and actually just sink into what is it, what is in front of me and lo- and love on this moment. This is That's right. Awesome. And and I I started every time the thunder would just go, you know, literally shake my shelter, everything. I found myself laughing, you know, where I'm just like, good one. Whoa, you know, and then here's another one and I'm like, oh my yep. god. It's- Someone would have ran into me. They would have been like, "Oh my God, there's a witch in the woods." <laughs> <laughs> but that, but those are the moments, right? And then when you walk away from that one, you've conquered that fear in yourself. Now I know how yes. to control it. But then you're left with the wonderment and the power of what you experienced. I mean, that is, you know, whatever your belief is, if his or her hand wasn't on that, right? Then what was it? Because there, that is, it, it's just phenomenal. I love it's lightning phenomenal. storms. I mean, and, as crazy I, as that sounds, yeah. lightning storms well, it, are amazing. They are. And to be that close to it and in it and getting hammered. I mean, I just, once you let go of control and realize that, hey, I'm I'm here. There's nothing I'm going to do about this it, other yeah. than see it for what it is and witness it. And I think if people, the more time you spend in nature some things are just going to be out of your control and you might hear some scary sounds and you might have some strange feelings of what, you know, when you feel those moments where the forest feels off or not welcoming, some of that stuff's going to be, it's, I don't even know if it's called risk taking, but it's, it is something to say, well, this is what our ancestors lived Mm -hmm. with every single day. And we learned how to um, identify 
what was a threat and what wasn't. And a lot of that is energy and our gut feeling like them, something feels like a threat. Animals know that, you know, animals know when you're hunting them and when they're, when you're not, you know, they know when to, you know, animals are incredibly powerful that way. We could learn a lot by just witnessing how an animal knows how to navigate a threat. Um, and react to it appropriately. So um, we certainly can take some of that. And um, I think just, I think, I hope people have an opportunity to take a solo sometime and, and go for it. Spend a night in the woods, hear those sounds that you've never heard before, stay up all night, you know, but I tell you what, I've done that so many times. And every time in the moment, I might be like, God, why am I doing this? This is, you know, and then the next day I am a different human. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I feel so great. And there's not much that shakes me. There's not much that takes me down. Even more so when you're off the mountain, that pillar that you stand on is taller and taller and taller after those experiences. That's the, I mean, ultimately that's the best benefit to it. And in, in terms of personal growth, um, is, I mean, you just, your pillar just grows and grows and grows and you're just taller and taller and taller, you know, metaphorically than, than you yeah. ever thought you could be. Cause you can handle <coughs> the modern world in a totally different way. You can handle the stressors in a totally different yeah. way. You can handle the, the perceived threats in such, you know, I because to, you come out. Yeah. I used to think it was, I was just refreshed. Right. And, and you kind of ignore like it, it's, you know, no, I'm handling things differently because of that insight that I have. Right. That I've ignored. Um, and you almost don't even think about that. It's affecting you that way. You really have to look inwardly and grab a hold of it uh, and be honest about what it is. Um, starting to sound kooky again, but. <laughs> That's what happens when you hang out with women. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do this to myself when I'm on the mountain. Like I, I, this is the stuff that I'm processing, right? Like, you know, like yeah. I said earlier, like I'll take my baggage, whatever that is, whatever that accumulation is. All the woo-woo stuff. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Actually, like I said, though, it, it is, I, it, I, you know, I enjoy being able to talk about that side of it, right. And what that part of it means to me and, and how, you know, mm-hmm. there's so much more to it. And it's such a multifaceted, if you will, endeavor, right. It really is what you allow it to be for the person, mm-hmm. right. I mean, there's folks that are be like, oh, you know, what are they talking about? Like, I want to go kill an animal. That's fine. Um, in my opinion, you're missing everything it could be. Right. With, with that mindset. So, um, so how do folks get a hold of you if they're interested, where can they they find you on social website, everything else? Yeah. The website is wildkindacademy.com. That's W I L D K I N D academy.com. And on Instagram, I'm Jess underscore wildkind academy. Um, I'm also wild kind Academy on its own is on Instagram and, um, face, uh, a Facebook, there's a wild kind Academy page for Facebook. I'm on TikTok as wild kind Jess. And I usually, you know, I love putting small content pieces together from my travels and, and from my outdoor adventures. 
then I'll include those links in the show notes. Well, Jess, uh, I appreciate the time. It's been it's been exceptional following you. Um, like I said, I've been you know it's been fun watching it and and watching your immersion in it, um, and it garners a ton of respect from me because people are scared to just jump in feet first. You jumped in head first. Um, so good <laughs> on you for that. Thank you. Um, so yeah, thank I, you for that acknowledgement. Can't yeah, wait to, you. you know, continue to follow along and, and wish you the best of success on it. And, you know, really appreciate what you're doing and bringing folks that are outside the fold into the fold. And I think we, we really, really need it. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. And thank you for having a podcast and having your version of your channel of, of talking about these things. And, um, we all, we all need, this is what our community does. We, everyone has a role and what they're doing to help, um, bring us back. Yep. Oh, I appreciate it. Cool. Well, it was great talking to you. Um, let's stay in touch and then maybe we'll, uh, do a follow-up here after, uh, you get something down or something on that late season. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Good deal. Thank you. All right. Take care.